Hello everyone and welcome to Not So Secular, the place where we talk about how the world we live in is not as secular as we often think. We just choose to see it that way. My name is Mon Reyes, I am a youth missionary here in the Philippines and I will be your host here today. In this episode, I am joined by Burns Kaasi. He is a Catholic revert, which means that he once was Catholic and then he became Protestant and then he became Catholic again. And that's very interesting. I had him share his story during the conversation. He is behind Unboxing Catholicism and his work is all about helping people understand, regular people understand and share the teachings of the church. His tagline is learning how to defend the faith clearly without being preachy. And I don't know about you, but I think that's something that's very important in our time today because oftentimes, if not, if not explained poorly, most of the church teachings are not explained at all. And so some people, a lot of people, come into conclusions about what they think about the church and what they think about what the church stands for. And they tend to see it in a negative light. They tend to see the church as something that is judgmental, as something that is terrible, without understanding really what the church teaches. And so I think what Burns is doing is very important. And that is why I asked him to join me today for this conversation. If you want to support Not So Secular, we have a, an affiliate link from Feast Books. So I'll post it in the description for you to access. If you're buying a book from Feast Books, use that link so that you could support this podcast and so that they know that you're coming from here. And we also have a Facebook group, Not So Secular Discussions and Questions, where we can discuss and converse further about topics and themes that are related to this podcast. It would be great to get to hear from you your thoughts and your insights about a lot of the things that we talk about here. And so, without further ado, here we go. Hi, Burns. Thanks for being here. Hey, Mon. Thanks for the work that you're doing for the church. You're a great gift. Yeah, so are you. So are you. And I'm, I'm excited for, for today. I'm excited for what we'll, what we'll get to talk about in this episode. And, um, you know, I, I already mentioned this to you, but I, I first stumbled upon you and your work because of Feast Conference, which is happening um, this month, right? this November. Yeah. And then what I did is I looked you up because I got curious. I got curious with you. I looked you up and I found about your works, uh, Unboxing Catholicism. I found your Instagram and your um, your group and that drew me in further. And then I realized, okay, I realized kung saan talaga kita unang nakita. There was this video before. Um, it's called A Catholic and an Atheist Meet, right? I knew it. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I found this video yeah. before again, sa, sa YouTube. It, it's from this channel called Rec- Recreate. Recreate. Right? They're not really a Christian channel. They're more of a... What they do is they get different kinds of people to interact. And then then I didn't recognize. And then, oh, okay, so I have. I have seen you before. So maybe as, as we're starting, maybe we could start there. Right? For, or for our listeners who might not know you yet, could you... Introduce yourself. And if you, if you want to, you could also tell us a bit about your experience of being part of that video. Sure, sure. Wow, Mon, <laughs> that video really opened a lot of doors no? to meet new people in the faith and to collaborate like what we are doing now. So my name is Burns Okasi. Uh, hello to your viewers. Well, how do you call your viewers in Not So Secular? <laughs> I just call them listeners. 
Guys, hi right. guys. Okay. <laughs> hi guys. Okay, so uh, I I always describe myself with a summary form of my story. You know, so I used to be an anti-Catholic Protestant, born and baptized as a Catholic, left the church because they didn't understand it. I thought God was calling me to become a pastor, but God had different plans. In fact, no, I asked my mom to burn the statues of the saints, and it was so intense. Uh, but you know, God has His ways. Through His grace, I went back to the Catholic Church. No, so I started doing online content in 2016. I think I, I wrote blogs back then. I, I there was an article that I wrote why I asked my mom to burn the statues of the saints and the three things I realized, and I got a lot of uh, uh, readers because of that blog, and I, I got also a lot of haters. And then <laughs> after that, I was thinking, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do in the space in the online space? Because I have a story to share. It's like I found the pearl of great price, and that is the Catholic faith. There are a lot of things that are being misunderstood, but by many people, including my Protestant friends, no. And that's how I became a Protestant technically because I didn't have a formation. I was going through the motion of traditions, mon, without having deep, regular, and intense Christian formation in the doctrine and in the traditions of the church, right? So I didn't have a proper understanding. And in 20, I think 2019, my friend told me, hey, Burns, there's a YouTube channel that's looking for uh, a Catholic to meet with an atheist uh, in yes, a video. Yes. And I was like, well, you know me, I, I don't, Uh, have I don't have the charism of debates? No, bro, we need to debate. No, it's ano, uh, it's it's just a conversation. I've never yes. done something like that, mon. In fact, I am I've been doing apologetics for a long time already. Ever since I, I was a Protestant, I was already into apologetics, no. But I've never really talked to an atheist in a public forum. Okay, mm. so I, I got a little bit scared and I prayed about it. I asked the Lord, Lord, is this what you want me to do? No. And then he was remind he was reminding me of the life verse that I had. No, Acts 22:15, for you shall be his witnesses to all men of what you have seen and what you have heard. And I was like, okay, Lord, I will not depend on myself. I'll depend your holy on your Holy Spirit. So I filled out the form given to me by my friend and I did not expect anything. Weeks after that, the producers got in touch with me. And then they said, "Hey Burns, we read your profile and we found it interesting that you are a former Protestant, etc., etc. Do you wanna? Uh, are you okay to be part of the video?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." And then we we kept scheduling the shoot and rescheduling the shoot. And I, I thought hindi na matutuloy mo, no? And uh, well, it it pushed through January of 2020, if I'm not mistaken, and it coincided. Providentially, in what the CBCP called the year of dialogue, no, and mm. ecumenism. Now, I, if I'm not mistaken, you, your listeners can just Google it up. I think it was 2020 when when CBCP has declared something like that, and you know things started falling into its proper places. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. We are starting the year of dialogue and ecumenism with a dialogue with an atheist. Okay, so I, I met up with. I went to the studio. Not knowing what to do, <laughs> I did not have any expectations because I didn't know how the interview would be like, and it was my first time seeing my discussion partner Chris, no, who identifies herself as an atheist. What you what you saw on on YouTube, man, was a 17 minute snippet of a two hour conversation. Wow, <laughs> ang haba pala. 
Mahaba because man, that was just a little part of the bigger thing of the entire. Oh thing. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, no. The producers had to cut it for brevity's sake. Yeah. But what's yes. beautiful about that is there was no animosity, mon. Yeah. No, the, my advocacy in unboxing Catholicism is to defend the faith clearly without being preachy. Mm-hmm. And I think no, if your listeners would try to watch that uh, video and read the comment section. It's one of the most peaceful comment sections in the whole YouTube world. <laughs> Walang nagbas. Considering the the topic or the setup, de ba? Yes, yes. Catholic and atheist, yeah. yeah. Right, and I love it because the discussion partner was of the same mind. No, mm. she wanted to respect Catholicism. She doesn't like having a religion, but you know, uh, in our conversation, we talked about a lot of things. We asked each other questions. We got to know each other by checking our Instagram feeds. No. And at the end, we both realized that it's possible, Mon, to have a dialogue. You know, a lot of people, when they talk about religion, parang they would always think, I have to argue. Yeah. I have to you know, often win this. combative or defensive. <laughs> that is true. And I realized that when we defend the faith, we don't have to be always defensive about it. So let's just, you know, ask questions. And that's I learned a lot from that conversation. And very interesting because... Okay, these are things that I many people do not know because it didn't make the final cut. No, uh, the the producers had to change the battery of their camera thrice. Okay, because okay. <laughs> the conversation it was just so fluid. Chris and I, you know, the 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 lady, we were just talking about so many things. You no, know, about the faith, about you know how atheists are also contributing to to a lot of uh, social advocacies and stuff like that. Mm. And then at the end, you know what? The cameraman approached me and then the cameraman said, Sir, you know, I've never met someone who used to be a, a Protestant and now a Catholic. No? And turns out he's a Protestant. No? He asked a lot of questions. No? And then the producers were also saying, you know, sir, uh, it tickled our curiosity because we were agnostics. No? And the whole time they were listening wow. about how we were talking. Because, you know, Chris said that there's no proof of God, no? And then I agreed with her to some extent. I told her, yes, I agree that some atheists think that there's no proof about that. In fact, mm. there's a guy in the 1950s, he's a journalist, who tried to disprove it. No, mm. He really went archaeology and history and biblical exegesis, no? inaral niya lahat yan, until he is realized... Is this the Jesus Seminar? or No, 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 no. This is Iba another pa? one, bro. Uh, his name is Frank Morrison, and he wrote the book Who Moved the Stone? No, mm-hmm. And... For your viewers and listeners, if they want to geek out on that, perhaps they could read the book. I haven't read it yet, but I've read a lot of raving reviews about it. And I mentioned it to her and, and to the producer. And you know, they were taking notes of the names of the book. It's, it's beautiful. And then the, the cameraman said, How, why did you become a Catholic? <laughs> okay, and then okay, I told him about my conversion, about Scott Han and all these things. It's the first time he's hearing someone from a Protestant world becoming a Catholic. Mm. So yeah, those are the behind the scenes of that video. Yeah, yeah, which is really <laughs> good for the first time. I mean, that, that's something that I think we need more, with, with, especially with what's happening right now with all of this um, perceptions. But I think one of the things that are happening in society right now that is very, um, how would you put this, dangerous, is this. this oh yeah fight of labels that we, we were too quick to label one another uh, also Catholic ka, so that must mean that you believe in this and you're against this and right. that and that and that and then you're, that, might, that must mean that you're judgmental and that you're and then we have all these labels and some Catholics could do that also to some atheists and I mean not to mention the entire 
political landscape, you know, kung nasang side ka ba, and what that, what is true. that must mean for you if you are upholding this kind of um, agenda and all of these things. And I think what 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 transpired there, although we didn't get to see the entire thing, is really good. That's something that we need more, you know, that, that kind of dialogue, that kind of conversation. And one of the things that oh, with with a little that we saw in the 16-minute thing, what I saw in you was a uh, was this calm demeanor that you had the entire time, and that's something that I, I appreciated also. That's one of the things that drew me into and want that made me want to have you as a guest also. Say, parang you kind of had this um this silent confidence, you know. Because iba kasi kapag ka madaling maging defensive as you were as you were saying, diba? And that's something that I think is 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 really good, you know. Thanks be to God. Yeah. Everything is grace. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're a, you're a, you converted to being a Protestant and then you reverted. You went back to the Catholic Church. And so when did this happen exactly? Like anong, what age were you at that time? Because uh, I just discovered also that we're of the same age. So we're, yes. not, that, we're, we're not that old yet. We're, we're also not young. But, uh, but right, right. I'm, I'm curious to say, yeah, having, having gone through all of that stuff, you know, moving from, from the Catholic, being raised Catholic to being Protestant to being a Catholic, parang feeling ko, ang dami mo na napagdaanan eh. So w- when did that start for you? Well, uh, perhaps we can talk about first how I was raised as a Catholic, no? And yeah, I yeah. am sure a lot of your listeners can relate to it. That I grew up in a family that is Catholic by name, okay? We had Catholic traditions. We would go to prayers for the sick, prayers for the dead, no? And all of these. We, we were... I could. I'm writing my book now. It's called Unboxing Catholicism. Mm. And one of the anecdotes that I shared there is... I remember when I was young, when I was asking my mom, Mom, what does that mean when the priest say Cordero ng Diyos? No? Because we always say that in the Mass. We even sing it. And I didn't know what that meant. And then my mom was thinking so deeply. And then she told me, well, uh, my son, no, that's the notebook where the Lord writes the names of those who are saved. <laughs> because as a young kid, I, I took it as a gospel truth. Oh yeah, okay. I want to be in that notebook. And then later on, we both realized that, hey, it's not it's not cordero is different from cuaderno. No, it's the <laughs> yeah, love of yeah. God. Oh my goodness. Okay. So something so basic, no, and we laugh about it, but it talks a lot about our faith before. And we were also called quote unquote outstanding Catholics. What does that mean? We, it doesn't mean we are the best Catholics out there. It means that whenever there's mass, no, we would be uh, at, uh, arriving just when the homily is about to start or it's about to end and we will be standing outside the chapel, no? Yeah. Outstanding Catholics. <laughs> so that was, that was our setup. I didn't know anything about that. Yes, I went through some catechism classes and I'm so thankful for, you know, in my book, I gave a whole chapter tribute to the catechist I met when I was younger. And then uh, I also learned snippets of the faith from them. And then I had a lot of Catholic memories seeing my mom praying the rosary and all of these stuff. But when I went to high school, this is the time I started meeting people who said they are Christians, but they're not Catholics. And I got so curious about that. I mean, wow, there's such a thing. And then they said, I'm a born again Christian. And I felt I had that Nicodemus moment. No? Mm. I said, how does that happen that you were born again? <laughs> I never knew no, that that particular phrase, uh, that particular incident would be in the Bible. And I asked them, how did that happen? How did you get born again? And then they said, oh, we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So, Burns, when you die today, where will you go? Oh. 
So you were asked that question. Oh my goodness, one many times. And then when I was asked that question, I was like, you know, I think I, I wash the dishes. I say po and opo. So I, perhaps I could go to heaven. I'm not a terrorist. Or <laughs> yeah, I'm not <laughs> a terrorist, right? I haven't killed anyone. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I could go to heaven. But hey, uh, bro, I think, and I, I, I told my friend, I think if there's something that needs to be, you know, purged in my life, I think I could go through purgatory. Ding, 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 ding. That's when his eyes lit up. Burns, where is purgatory in the Bible? And I was like, oh, nga, no? Nasaan nga ba? <laughs> and then, ayan na, no? He started asking me questions, no? Okay, why do you have a Pope? Where is the word Pope in the Bible? Why do you believe in Ma- Why do you believe Mary can hear our prayers? Didn't you know that there is only one mediator between God and man according to 1 Timothy 5? I was like, oh my goodness. It's, this is it, no? I mean, I, my faith was challenged. And I really got frustrated, Mon, because for all the objections that they gave me about the Catholic faith, I remained silent. And when I was asking my Catholic friends about how to answer those questions, I had two responses. One is ignorance. They didn't know. And another is indifference. Pare-parehas lang naman yan eh. It's all the same. Why do you have to bother? But of course, it was unsettling. Mm-hmm. Because when I was in grade 5, I started reading the Bible. No, I started reading the parables and I received this little New Testament from Gideon's International. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Okay, It was given out for free because I was in public school back then. And when I got it, I started reading it. No, I got so hooked by the book of Revelation and all of those symbolisms there. But I never had that deep understanding of the scriptures because no one has taught me how to understand it the Catholic way. That's why your podcast listeners are so lucky in your previous episode, you talk about how to interpret the scriptures and how to read it in context. I didn't have that. So imagine a Catholic who didn't have that background on the scripture suddenly talks to a Protestant who had a lot of quote-unquote background on how the Bible should be read. Oh, talagang wala akong masabi doon. And then they started asking me, Burns, why do you have statues? Didn't you know Exodus chapter 20 verse 4 prohibited statues? And then I didn't know that. No, So when I started reading it, Oh, shucks, it's true. It's prohibited. Why do I have statues? And then I started feeling betrayed, no? feeling that all my life I was living a lie. you know. And I was looking at my Catholic friends. They didn't care about the Bible that much. But some of them were serving in the church. But still, the knowledge was not that deep. no. And then I see my born-again friends. They were so passionate about spreading the gospel, going room to room, no? evangelizing. And I said, wow, they must be very sure about what they believe in. And then they started inviting me to Bible studies. At first, I didn't want to join. But when my crush said she's joining, of course, I did join. No? Pogi points yun eh. So I, I did join. And then, but of course, no, the, 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 the reason I joined was not that pure. But then when I started listening to how they unboxed the scriptures, Mon, wow, fantastic. I never saw scriptures coming to life. And then, cut the long story short, no, eventually, during my fourth year in high school, after three years of convincing me, no, I became a Protestant. And then when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I could only say that that was like the deepest, at that point, no, the deepest uh, encounter that I had with the Lord, that He just didn't become a name for me. He really became a real person who mm. can talk to me. And you know, I became so passionate about my newfound faith that I started 
telling my family, stop attending Mass. They're killing Jesus again and again. I told my mom to burn the statues of the saints. No, I told people, you know, St. John Paul II is burning in hell. You know, all of those things that I heard, you know, that the Pope is the Antichrist, that the Catholic Church is the synagogue of Satan, the whore of Babylon, and you should leave at all costs. And, you know, I, I really felt that I needed to save Catholics. We needed to save Catholics that we would go room, uh, door to door during that time. We would knock on people's doors. Now, I don't know if you have ever encountered that one and your listeners, someone will knock on the door and ask you, can we have five minutes of your time? We just want to share about Jesus. And I, I was feeling, Lord, this is what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. I want to bring people to Jesus and I want to bring you to people. And that's it. That's my Protestant yeah. background. No? And I was so passionate until... I went to college. That's where the story started changing. And I think mm. you heard about the story in, in the Narrow Door podcast, no? When yes, I went to yes. UAP. So, yeah. well, I, I don't know. You have questions about that first. Kudos to your friend, eh? I mean, your, your, your high school friend na born again. I mean, now we can look back to these stories and see the bad sure, There sure. are some things that we don't agree with. Ganyan, ganyan. But kudos to your friend that at, during high school, he was willing to talk to one of his yeah. classmates about his faith and evangel actually right. evangelize. I mean, that's something that I think we hope that that's we courageous. should see more in the Catholic faith yeah. also. Right? I mean, it, it is good to evangelize. Right? I mean, galing, the, the, the passion. And I guess that's also something that I see rin, no? with with um, with evangelicals, with Protestants, with born-again Christians, that a lot of them really has this um, desire to share the faith. And right. um, to, which is, which goes more, I think it contrasts then. Like I say, I kind of share parts of your experience that I was also raised in a Catholic home. My parents were practicing. My grandparents were practicing. We went to Sunday Mass. And I received all of the first. First confessions, first communion. I was baptized as an infant, as a, as a baby. And um, and it was like that for me growing up. And it, it, it was a part of my life. Yes, it was something that I acknowledged was important. Yes. But it wasn't really something that I took the time to understand or even appreciate. It was just there. I think one of the ways that um, I, I've heard this described in, in a, um, that I could connect with is yung para siyang yung tito. Like, alam mo yung, you have this uncle that you only really see during the holidays. You only really see oh, yes. family <laughs> reunion. And you understand that this uncle is important, right? He's part of the family. Kailangan mo bumeso sa kanya. But you don't really know him. <laughs> right. You don't really know him. Sometimes you, you find You know his creepy. name though. Yeah, you know right. his name. And and you don't, you're, sometimes you're hesitant to approach him. You acknowledge him that as your uncle. True. But he, you, don't, you don't really have a relationship with him. I think for me, for most of my life, my my relationship with Christ was like that. He was like this weird uncle, this strange uncle that I only really see on Sundays or during the holidays or pag Holy Week. Kasi pag Holy Week, you're supposed to be sad. I mean, that's how it's, it was for me. And then, and then for a very long time, it was just that. It wasn't until later on when I also met friends ganyan, who had right. different beliefs. I also had that conversation yung going through revelations ng high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is crazy. Everyone's fascinated about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It scared me that time. And and it wasn't until <clears throat> it wasn't until later on. When I was or, I was already part of the community, I was already serving, but I had this one friend who asked me, Na Mon, um co servant kata, and she asked me, Why did Jesus die? Like if if Jesus, we say that Jesus died on the cross two thousand years ago, how does that? What what difference does that make in my life now? And then I thought for a while, 
And then I realized I didn't have an answer. I didn't know. Like I, I had no answer. And it was one of those moments that made me question. Parang, I say I believe these things, but do I really? And um, I, so it wasn't as you know, it wasn't as extreme as yours, na, having converted to the Protestant faith and all of that. But um, I think what you're describing um, is is something that a lot of people, if not experienced directly, it's it's something that they are familiar with. Which is why I think what right. you're doing, like the book that you're writing, is gonna be is gonna be helpful. Also, mm. hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. And so you you converted into Protestantism, and then during college, de You 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 went back. Oh yeah, and it was a long process, man. It was not automatic. In fact, when I became a student of UANP, University of Asia and the Pacific, it's a secular school. I think you know that, no? But it had a very deep spiritual formation because the spiritual formation of the university has been entrusted to the personal prelature of the church called Opus Dei. No, and Opus Dei, it's, a, it's an organization established by St. Jose Maria Escriva in 1928. And its charism is really deep doctrinal formation. And basically, the main message of St. Escriva is everyone is called to be a saint. Hmm. No, you're a janitor, you're a doctor, you're a teacher, you're a housewife, you're a young person, man, women, whatever. You're called to become a saint. And for you to become a saint, we have to know, love, and serve Jesus. And how do we know, how do we serve Jesus if we don't know and love Him? And how do we love if we do not know? That's why knowing the faith is something very important in, in Opus Dei. So, that being said, all students, regardless of religious affiliations, we had to go through theology, philosophy, and ethics classes. No, it's part of our formation. Mm. That's interesting, huh? For a university that's not a Catholic school. You, yes. you had those. Galing. Right. I had nine units of theology, 12 units of philosophy, and I don't know how many units of ethics. And man, I'm telling you, Mon, I, I told you, I was a Christian who was going through the motion of tradition without formation. For the first time in my life, I learned about the Catechism of the Catholic Church. I learned about Vatican II. I learned about papal encyclicals because I had to go through a lot of classes. And in all of those classes, that was the first time that I saw Catholicism for what it truly was. I was told by my pastor that Catholics do not read the Bible and Catholics are prohibited to read the Bible. Okay, I was told that Catholics invented a lot of doctrines and traditions. But when I went through these theology classes, all of my professors were deeply biblical and deeply historical and that everything started making sense. And I had this one friend, no? his name is Dr. Roque Carballo. He's a layman who's also a, a long-time theology professor and he became a lifetime friend. No? Until now, we still talk from time to time. And one afternoon after our theology class, he asked us, no, who among you guys here are not Catholics? I just want to know. Of course, I'm proud. No, I know. I'm not a Catholic. I'm saved. I'm not going to go to hell because I thought before that all Catholics were going to hell. And then he told me, Burns, why don't we take snacks or coffee one of these days? I thought, I thought that he was going to debate about Catholicism. Yes. I was ready, Mon. I was not yes. always defending the faith clearly without being preachy. When I was a Protestant, I was so gung-ho. I wanted to prove everyone <laughs> wrong. Okay? I went to his office. No, We had uh, snacks there. Uh, I, think, I remember it's sandwich and you know drinks. And then I was so shocked but, that he didn't ask me to debate. He just told me, tell me your story. I want to know how you became a Protestant. Hmm. Wow. Okay, so I told him about my story, you know, how I found Jesus, how how the scripture became alive and I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I was I started thinking, you know, this guy, he should be part of my church. 
I imagine him kneeling during an altar call, surrendering, surrendering himself to Jesus, leaving Catholicism behind. No, that's how passionate yeah. and gang Finding was. the light. <laughs> yes, no. So the friendship grew, Mon. And now, on hindsight, I'm realizing that yes, no. When we try to evangelize, it's not enough that we know about the Bible and we just this and toss verses here and there. Personal relationship is really what's important. That's why what you guys as missionaries are doing in your community, I think you're part of the feast, no? Uh, mm. It's so beautiful that you are reaching out through friendships and relationships. That's how Rocky did it with me. It was a dialogue, never a debate, Mon. Never a debate. That's where I'm coming from when I say defending the faith doesn't have to be about insulting other beliefs, doesn't have to be you know, arguing. We, just, we were just friends sharing each other's concerns. And then, you know, after two years, uh, he, he hired me to edit his book. That was his strategy. I, I now realize, no, that book was a Catholic book. To get you to read and it. Since <laughs> I love writing, okay, I so love the quotations from Ratzinger, from Wojtyla. And, you know, I realized at the end of the process, these are Catholic popes. Mm-hmm. How come they write about Jesus so beautifully if they are Catholics? Are, they're supposed to be burning in hell. They are supposed to be the Antichrist, the devil in flesh. You know, and I, I read a lot of Augustine, you know, I, I, this, these things that were written by the church fathers, Irenaeus. I was never exposed to these things in my, Protestant, in my Protestant community. In my Protestant community, we will study the Bible and just you know, uh, share our feelings and our own interpretation of the verses. But I never thought of checking... How did the first century Christians understand these verses? Mm. And that's what I had. No, I also had. I was also required to take classes on theology, Christian history. So grabe, pare, all of these things coming together. I started, you know, deepening, regaining my respect for Catholics. Uh, there was this man. No, he was my professor in Iliad. I don't know if you are into literature, no. Mm. And he taught Iliad in such a way that he was so Christian. And then at the end of the day, no, he was at the end of the semester, he asked us, well, I would not forget this very dramatic scene in our classroom, no. He was asking, he he asked us, no, was Hector uh satisfied with what he did, no? He was able to kill his enemy, no? And you know, some one of the king, I forgot the name of the king in the story, no. Was he also satisfied that he was able to get what he wanted in this world? And all of us said, no. But what did satisfy them? It's the self-giving of, uh, of themselves. No, it's the release of, of, or it's the detachment from their, from their worldly pleasures and it's in the encounter of the other person. He was so deep and he was so philosophical and then he started pointing at the crucifix behind him. He said, didn't this man do the same thing? He fulfilled his life by giving his whole life on the cross. And I was like, and then he said something, Without the body of Jesus on the cross, the cross is meaningless. And I was like, oh, I removed the, cro- the body of Jesus in the cross that, because for me, that's idolatry. No, but I never saw it that way. That, you know, the body of the Lord on the crucifix is a message of love and self-giving that because of that body, the crucifix is not anymore a symbol of death or punishment or murder. It's a symbol of victory of God's love. It's a symbol of life. And of all the classes, I realized that insight in a literature class. Hmm. You know, that's what I appreciated more about UANP. All the classes were like talking about the big picture. It was so integrated 
You know, even our science teachers were talking about God. And wow, oh my goodness, everything just fit in. And I was like, I never saw Catholicism in this lens. I never saw the faith in this very beautiful, beautiful manner. And then I was talking to Roque about these things, no, Roque Carvalho, the, the, the theology professor. And then he told me, you know, Burns, you're so passionate about the faith. You love God so much. But you know, you're missing something. You're missing a lot on something. And I said, what is that? I you know the Bible. <laughs> I go to house to house to evangelize. I know I'm saved because, come on, you know that Protestant, some Protestants say that one saved, always saved. Mm. No, by the way, all the assertions I'm making here, all the positions of my Protestant church does not reflect the position yes, of all yes. Protestant churches. Uh, no? It's a very broad thing. Ni sila monolithic. Yes, yes. Right, right. And then Rocket told me, you are missing the most important thing in the Christian faith. And I was like, what is that? He said, the Eucharist. I was like, what the hell is the Eucharist? Okay, that I was, I think, in my late first year college during that time. And then second year college, I had priest as a professor for sacramental theology and then moral theology and all of these things adding up together. And I started, you know, seeing, wow, Catholicism makes sense. And that bothered me a lot, no? Because... I was told that all of these things are just man-made. I was told that after the death of the last apostle, John, you know, the church went haywire until the Reformation tried to redeem the lost Christianity. But in, in studying Christian history, Mon, I saw that the church never ceased to exist. You know? So when, when the Pope arrived here, okay, that was, I think, 2015, if I'm not mistaken, I forgot already, mm. Mono. I, I, uh, I don't remember also, but yes, yes. When the Pope came it. here last time, <laughs> okay. yes. Right, right. The Pope came here. I had one question, Mon. Why do I keep on saying this man is the Antichrist? I couldn't stomach it anymore. No, because weekends, I go through my non-Catholic formation. And on weekdays, I go through my Catholic formation. Mm. You can just imagine the confusion there, no? I, I'm seeing... Catholicism for what it, re- it really is. And on weekends, I'm hearing caricatures about the church. I was like, whoa, where, where do I stand now? And then when the Pope came here, I started asking myself, why don't I have a Pope? What is so special about the office of the papacy that there was an unbroken line of successors from St. Peter? I never knew that. No, that the Pope is the 266th succession of St. Peter and it was never broken. And it was like, it's the oldest institution. It's, it tops even the oldest government, right? And that made me curious. And I posted something on Facebook that says, um, that says something like, hey, finally, guys, Lolo Kiko is here. I'm not a Catholic Christian, but may all of us be inspired by his message of mercy and compassion. Mm. It was an ecumenical post. A lot of my born-again friends from CCF, GCF, and more uh, mainstream uh, evangelical circles started commenting, yeah, we're also inspired by him. We're not Catholics, but we are so happy that he's here bringing message of hope. No, But then, you know, the next Sunday I went to church, I was called by one of our leaders. No? We are so worried about you. And I said, why? We think you're being deceived by Satan. What? <laughs> what did I do? No, because they saw my post. And apparently, they saw my post while they were in a prayer meeting. Precisely, they were in a prayer meeting among leaders. And I was part of the leadership of the church at that time. No, I was part of the youth, le- youth ministry leaders. I was giving talks, trainings, mentoring, coaching. We are doing missions. So I was deeply involved. And they were praying in a prayer meeting for the Pope not to deceive people. And then after they prayed for that, they saw my post. 
<laughs> no, and I was like, Burns, you know that the Pope is the Antichrist. You know that the Catholic Church is the prophesied horror of Babylon and all of those stuff. And you know, it's like there's a flip, sweep, flip switch no, that just got off from my head and I just asked him, well, what if we're wrong? You know, what if all this time we just misunderstood the Catholic Church? Look, it has been in existence for 2,000 years. It's older than all of our denominations combined together. No, what if we just didn't understand what they teach? And then they said, you have to go back to the basics. No, you know that the Bible was violated by the Catholic Church. Eh, kuya, the, the Catholic Church was the one who compiled the Bible. Did we, didn't we know that? Of course, no, they, they didn't believe in that. And then that night, I went home very dissatisfied. And I think I mentioned earlier that I thought God was calling me to become a pastor, right? Hmm. And I told our Lord, Lord, if you are calling me to become a pastor, I better be sure of what, get, what I'm going to teach. I'm begging you now for the grace for me not to leave any stones unturned in the search for truth. The next day, I went to the university library. I started borrowing a lot of books. The first book that I borrowed was the Thick CCC, the Catechism of the Catholic Church. I told myself out of spiritual pride, I will look for errors, Lord, so that I could be a pastor without, my, when, without any guilt feelings. But lo and behold, as I read the Catechism of the Catholic Church page by page, cross-referencing the biblical, you know, in the bottom there yes, are footnotes, yes. right? The, Bible, the biblical references. I was like, this is making so much sense. And then I went back to the library. I, I came across a book called Biblical Defense of Catholicism by Dave Armstrong. I never thought that there's the Biblical Defense of Catholicism. So I borrowed it. And then I even brought it to the church. I showed it to my pastor. Oh, pastor, you said that there are no biblical proofs about Catholicism. But try reading this. He just looked at the book and then told me, be careful with Catholic priests. Pari yang Dave Armstrong na But of course, that's wrong. Dave is not a priest. no. And he told me, you know, they are so good in twisting scriptures. Again, no? I was not satisfied because that was, for me, that was not humble and honest enough. No, if we are doing a dialogue, we have to humbly and honestly look at what the other party is really saying and teaching before we can just dismiss it. I never saw that. Mm. No, there was no healthy dialogue. And uh, all the books that I brought, no, they never touch it. They didn't want to read it out of fear that they will be deceived. But for me, it was intellectually dishonest. No, And I continued reading and then I came across this book, Crossing the Tiber by Steve Ray so thick, man. I don't know if you've seen that book, Mon. It was really you. It was so thick. It had a lot of footnotes and I was geeking out on it. And the last, uh, among the many books, I really borrowed a lot of books. For, for Per round of borrowing books, you can borrow seven. Now, I was a scholar back then, so I could borrow more than the usual students. No? So I would borrow seven books at a time, read it all at the same time, trying to look for the common themes and list them down. Wow. And then, wow, I was just so and amazed by what I am discovering with all of these books. And then the, the, the real book that really got me into a roller coaster ride was Scott Hans Rome's Sweet Home because I could mm. really connect with his questions. You know, I could identify with his, with his thoughts. I would read it in MRT. I would read it anywhere. And it just brings me, a, it brought me a lot of tears because I could see myself in the book, no? And then I did not stop with the books. I listened a lot to Catholic Answers podcast, no? If you guys are into apologetics, try to listen to that. And I started watching videos of Father Mitch Pacwa, Mother Angelica. I, I, you know, I discovered this whole universe of Catholic content online. And then I told my friend, I asked my friend, 
a Protestant friend to help me. Sabi ko, we help me naman. No, I think I'm being called to become a Catholic. Sabi niya, why would you want to be a cannibal? Cannibal? What about cannibal? Eh, di ba those Catholics say that they eat and drink the body and blood of Jesus? That's so disgusting. And that's when I remembered what Roque told me many years before that. I was missing on the Eucharist. So I really take, took a deep dive into the Eucharist and really wanted to know more about it. And I started attending Mass again. No, Mon? I started attending Mass because, I don't know, I just felt like I wanted to attend Mass and see what will happen there. It's been a while. I already forgot when to sit, kneel, or stand. No, I went there to the shock of my Catholic friends. And, you know, because it felt awkward that Catholic friends were seeing me, I went to an underground chapel in the Philippine Stock Exchange. <laughs> in Tektite, there's a chapel there. Funny enough, because I'm also a passionate advocate of personal finance, I was thinking of all the places I would go for, for my mass. It's beneath the stock exchange. <laughs> Intersect yung two worlds. <laughs> it's like the meeting of two worlds there, no? Yeah. Yeah, I started attending mass again. And in one particular mass that I attended, you know, I was thinking about this question. If the Catholic mass is true, if the, the Catholic faith is true, how come I get a lot more in a Protestant, you know, service in terms mm, of Bible, yeah. all of these things? The preaching. The preaching, yeah. you know? You know what I mean? And then, I was thinking about that all throughout the Mass until it we reached the liturgy of the Eucharist. No, and when the priest started saying the prayer of consecration, yes. oh man, <laughs> when he started lifting the host and then he said, this is my body and this is my blood, I don't know. I think it was grace that revealed to me and it's as if I heard a clear voice in my head telling me, yes, in the Protestant service, you hear about the Word of God. You study the Word of God. But only in this celebration of the liturgy in the Catholic Mass that you will receive the sacramental Word of God, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. And then suddenly, as he was lifting the host, all of those verses in John chapter 6 came back to me, unless you eat and drink the flesh of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. And then the apostles were asked, would you also want to live? And then Peter said, to whom shall we go, Lord? No, you have the words of eternal life. And then a, a year after that, I, I saw Jesus in the upper room saying, this is my body and this is my blood. And here comes the priest saying the exact same thing 2,000 years after. And I just found myself melting in front of it. There was a, a thirst. No, after all that I have read, all that I have realized, all that I prayed for, I just said, my Lord and my God, I think mm -hmm. it's you. I think it's you. I was not yet sure. No, And then I, start, I, I, I ended that Mass. Of course, I didn't receive the Eucharist. I was just crying in front of the tabernacle and I was asking the Lord, Lord, help me because I'm so confused now. I don't know what to do. And then months after that, weeks after that, no, I, I met with Catholic leaders from different churches. They bought the Westminster Confession. I bought the Catechism, Vatican documents. We were geeking out in the coffee shop, no, asking point by point, confession, salvation, and all of these things. And at the end of the day, they were not able to give me answers. And they said, at the end of the day, Burns, religion will not save you. And I said, I already heard about that. But why don't you give me answers about the inspiration of scriptures? Where do we get the Bible? How come we remove scriptures from the canon? And all of those stuff. And then they were not able to answer. And I found myself, you know, going back to the university, so dissatisfied, so scared and confused. And I found myself in the oratory in Stella Orientis. I don't know if you've been there. No, if you have a chance... 
visited one of the most beautiful chapels in Pasig, I found myself kneeling in front of Mary, of all the people, no? I told her, you know, Mary, my pastor told me that, I, that you cannot hear me. You know, Mary, my pastor told me that you're, you're dead and I'm doing idolatry by kneeling before you and praying for you, praying with you or praying to you. I don't know what to say. But here I am. I have nowhere to go. I'm so scared and confused. You know that I wanted to serve our Lord as a preacher. You know that I wanted to become a pastor. And here I am doubting the very gospel that I needed to preach. If you are real, if you are true, give me peace. And I, of course, being a crybaby, I just cried and cried. Then I went back to my normal life, going to church, you know, leading Bible studies. But this time, I have with me more resources that they, were, they got scared. No, I would bring the writings of the church fathers. And when we do Bible studies, I would quote Augustine and all of these people. And they were like, why do you need to quote them? <laughs> no, parang, sabi ko, I cannot avoid quoting them because these are spiritual riches of our fathers in the faith. No, these are beautiful stuff. And then eventually my friend start eh, my friend start my friend started asking me Burns ano ba are you going to become a catholic and I said you know there's no way out even though I don't want to I think God wants me to I have to let go of my pride and my preference and just really accept the fullness of truth as God has revealed it hmm. and then sabi niya oh, so sir kailan ka na magko-confess when are you going to confess because all I needed to go through was confession yeah, and I yeah. said Uh, well, I don't know. But, you know, now that you ask me, suddenly, parang, I just felt I wanted to confess next Thursday. Wow! Next Thursday? Why next Thursday? Wala lang. No, I don't know. Why? What's up with Thursday? And they said, oh, nothing. Don't mind. I just confess next Thursday. And so I did confess the week after that on a Thursday. Okay? And then when I confessed, no, I, I told the priest about everything. No, there, I had some friends outside the, the confessional praying for me. These are my Catholic friends who never argued with me, Mon, but they journeyed with me. They accompanied me and they were praying outside and the priest told me and I told him about praying to Mary again, you know, that night when I was crying. And then he told me, well, I think Mary heard your prayers. And I said, yes, Father, I think he heard my, she heard my prayers. That's why I'm here. No, 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 no. It's more special than that. Didn't you know that today is the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel? I didn't know that. No, I never, I didn't check the liturgical calendar. As a Protestant, liturgical calendar was so out of my, my psyche. And that was July 16. And you know, when I was doing my penance, kneeling before the same statue that I cried to, I knew that Mary didn't just hear me. She just didn't give me peace. She truly brought me home. And wow, that was so amazing. And then after that, my life was never the same. Mm. You know, I still had the same zeal and passion for, for the scriptures, for evangelization, for Jesus, but now it's richer. I've never felt much deeper in my prayer life and my encounter with the Lord in the Eucharist is just so life-changing. I would always ask people, have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Now as a Catholic, I know that I'm receiving Him in my mouth, in my esophagus, in my stomach body, blood, soul, and divinity. And it's just so awesome. And the rest is history, Mon. We're here together working for the church and for Christ. Mm. Yeah, and I can really see the, the passion that, that you have in, in, yeah, in telling your story and what you're doing. And grabe yung, like, what you went through converting and then reverting. Because I think it takes a lot for like a Catholic to, 
convert, ba? Especially if you were raised in a family of Catholics, if you were... Oh, yeah. May, yeah. It has a lot of implications. Eh? Like, what will my parents say about this? What will my friends say about this? Oh, like, away think, kami. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's part of the reason why when some people convert, they're more... Ano ba, they're more expressive about it. Kasi nga, you kind of... I'm not saying that this is the only reason, but you kind of have to show people na I converted for a reason. You kind of have to show right. people that is na, true. That is this true. is why that I, this is why I found Jesus in the Protestant church or in, a, in an evangelical right. church. Ganyan. But what you did was you did it once, so you converted, and then you went back. Which I think that must have taken a lot. I mean, kasi... I had to thing, master a lot of... Humility because I had a lot yes, of spiritual yes, pride. Yes. It, it's one thing to think about, okay, sige, I'm, I'm gonna convert, I'm leaving this behind. And then it's another thing to think about, but now I'm coming back after making this declaration. I told people to many my things friends, already. Yes, to my friends and my family. I've said this about the Catholic Church and now I'm back. And then, man, man that's, that's, that's wild. That's, that's crazy. And I, I, I like was. what you were saying earlier dun sa... Then uh, when these people journeyed with you, and then um, I think that kind of ties back to one of the things that we also mentioned earlier about how we need more places of dialogue, we need more places of connection, and and how about how we shouldn't be afraid to talk about the truth and different perspectives. Yeah. I think yeah. well, um, that that like you 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 gave that example with your former church, right? But I think also in society, what tends to happen is the things that we don't agree with, we just don't like listening to it. It makes us yes. upset. It makes us defensive. It, it's, it's so easy to live in an echo chamber, especially in the time of social media, right? Where the more you like something, the more you share something, the more it's given to your news feed, the more it's given to you. And it's so you easy the to bubble. Just, yeah, to live in a bubble, to be boxed in. Oh, unboxing. That's why you have to unbox. <laughs> right, okay, it's coming together. The way that you're putting it. And now in unboxing, Catholicism, you mentioned earlier that your kind of tagline right, is um, defending the faith clearly without being preachy. And again, you mentioned yes. that you had people who journeyed with you, who didn't debate with you. Could you maybe give us a little more insight into that? What does that look like? Like, what does it what does it look like to journey with someone without being combative or without debating with them? Or maybe we could you could also give some insight into the kind of things that you teach sa unboxing Catholicism when you say na you you want to defend the faith clearly without being preachy. Right, Mon, I would love to. This is something that I'm passionate about. And let me just already put a disclaimer that I did not invent these things. No, uh, What I do in Unboxing Catholicism is I just get what I learn from my experiences and from other experts and just package it in a way that there's a framework and it makes sense. And, you know, if we read the scriptures, we see that Jesus was the best defender of the faith in a very clear manner without being preachy. Of course, there are times that he called the Pharisees brood of vipers. Yes, no? yes. And preaching is not bad It's in itself. Yeah, you can overdo course, it, no? but it's not a bad yes. thing. Yes, yes. Yeah, I still identify myself as a quote-unquote preacher. No, That's why when I say defend the, the faith clearly without being preachy, I have nothing against my preacher friends. No, yes, Brother yes. Bo is, uh, is a good... Uh, is a good example, no? J. Paul, Jerick mm. Defante, all of these are good friends. And there's nothing wrong in preaching. But what is wrong, I think, is quote-unquote being preachy 
in a, in context where we should not be preachy. Mm. No, if you are not on stage, on the preachy, stage, yes, yes. Yeah, you have to be preachy there. But on a day to, I, I I'm imagining more of the day to day interaction with people. I'll give you one particular example. No, when I was still a Protestant, I would love to tell people, you know, religion will not save you. It's not important. Leave your religion. What what will save you is a relationship with Christ. Okay. And then here comes a Catholic friend who knew about the Bible. I was expecting him to, you know, argue a lot, no? Because he's a scholar, quote unquote scholar, no? He had the deep formation. He studied in Spain and all of that. And then he said, "Well, you know, Burns, I agree with you, no? I I, I love the way you guys, evangelicals, are so passionate about sharing the faith. And I like it when you said that uh, only Jesus will save, okay? But don't you know the the real meaning of the word religion?" So I napaisip ako, no? I, I thought about it. I said, wow, religion means traditions. Okay, do this, don't do that. Yeah, oh, that's practices. religion for me. Rituals, practices. Yeah, that's interesting burns, no? Because uh, that is a modern understanding of what religion should be. But are you aware of the Latin root word of religion? Well, of course, as a Protestant, I didn't study Latin. I said, ah, no, I didn't know that. No, Burns, you might, now, you might haven't realized it yet. But the, the Latin root word of the word religion is really gare. You know what that means? I said, no, it means relationship with God. No, really gare means relationship, to bind yourself with God. And then and he asked me, what do you think about that? I said, well, it's a, it's a good definition. I didn't really see it that way. And then he's, here's the clincher. He said, so don't you think when you say that religion is not important, what's important is relationship with God? Do you think you are saying the same thing? And contradicting the same thing. Mm, yeah. I was like, oh, no. well, makes sense. But you know what I mean, right? That, you know, religion is not really important. And then he said, well, religion seen in the wrong way is the one that is not important. But there is real religion. Don't you, re- uh, don't you notice in the letter of James? No, He talked about what the real religion should look like. And then I said, oh, no. St. James said, Real religion looks like this. Okay, may ganun dun eh. And then I realized, wow, I'm saying something so simple and yet it has a profound implication. He just asked me questions. So what did he do? No, did he argue? No, he didn't. He just want, affirmed what I wanted to say. So he agreed to me as far as he could agree with. And I think when we are in dialogue with non-Catholics, there are a lot of things we can agree about. And we could start with that. How do we agree with the person? And then, okay, he asked me questions. Okay? And then when he asked me questions, that made me think. Because most Protestants, when they are talking to Catholics, they're not used to Catholics asking questions. Because Catholics used to be silent and indifferent <laughs> because of ignorance and indifference. Yes. No, They don't even know what to ask. Exactly. But here's what I realized more. No? In dialogue, in defending the faith clearly without being preachy, Having the right answers is not always necessary. Sometimes what's more important is to have the right questions. Okay, for another example, no? Another person asked me before, uh, I, I told a person, sabi ko, eh, wala naman yung salitang, wala naman yung Santo Papa sa Biblia eh. Okay, the, if you are not trained in dialogue, we'll just say, hindi, nasa Biblia yan, okay? Hindi ka kasing babasa ng Biblia, no? But then this person asked me a question. Burns, when you say the, po- the papacy is not in the Bible, what did you mean? Did you mean wala yung concept ng... Po- did you mean that the Pope, the concept of papacy is not there? Or did you mean the word Pope is not there? 
Hmm. Oh, that's a distinction. That a very simple distinction, which is very important in the discussion. And I said, well, the word pope is not in the Bible. Do you think Burns that everything that we believe in as as Christians should be explicitly stated in the Bible? Of course. No, sabi nga nung, sabi nga ni San Pablo kay Timothy, no, Timothy uh, St. Paul told Timothy, all scriptures are breathed by God, they are profitable for teaching and doctrine, etc., etc. You know, Burns, we agree that all scriptures are very important, but did the Bible say only scriptures? Hmm. Ah, I don't have a verse in the Bible that says only scriptures. And then he, ans- he asked another question. Burns, it's interesting, no, that we agree with you that the Bible is really important in our faith. But if all the things that we need to believe in as Christians should be stated in the Bible, where do you think in the Bible can we see what books should be included in the Bible? Those are questions I never asked myself, Mon. But those questions made me think. Because many times we don't ask questions enough. No? And we ha- our faith, for us to have faith-seeking understanding, no? fides quarens intellectum, we have to keep on asking questions. And wow, when we ask questions in discussions, now the two of you are not anymore enemies trying to prove a point. The two of you are now journeying together, trying to discover the truth as friends. You see, that there's a difference, diba? Na you are asking questions versus you are just arguing. Another, another quote-unquote uh, strategy to do that, for the lack of a better term, no, we don't want to call these strategies, but yes, these are yes. We're not trying methods. to manipulate people. <laughs> yes, no, we're not manipulating people. Instead of saying outright na, you're wrong, no? Uh, you could have an imaginary third person in your discussion and ask the person, okay, that's, that's correct. Uh, for example, the Protestant will say, you know, I'm sure of my salvation, no? There's nothing that I do that uh, will take me away from the, from the love of God. And then, you can, instead of you trying to, to disprove that, you could say, okay, for example, you're the Protestant, no? What, do you, what will you tell someone who says... That Saint Paul is teaching, you know, that we cannot be assured of our salvations because we have to be working for it with fear and trembling. In fact, Saint Paul said that, you know, I should be working on my salvation lest I be disqualified. What would you tell someone who will say that? So, what's the importance of having that imaginary third party in the conversation? The tension is diffused. It's yes, not between yes. you arguing. It's not a personal with... attack. You know, exactly. it's not threatening to my own. Exactly. Believe the perspective of the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so those are just snippets of what we do in Unboxing Catholicism, what we teach rather. Yeah, yeah. It's very cool. I mean, the, the idea also, I, I like what you were saying earlier, na look for something to approve uh, or to oh, affirm yes. rather, to look for something to affirm in the, pe- in the person that you're talking to. Because I think right now what's happening is we do the opposite thing. Eh? We look for something to deny. Like we look for something oh, yeah. to call out. And you know, when, when these things happen, like in, in pop culture, right? Yung people look for these 10-year-old tweets sent by this director or by this actor and then they they condemn him for it as if parang, as if nothing changed in the 10 years that, that came past. And and right. I, ang ganda ng what you were saying about about yun nga, yung having an imaginary third person. Eh. I think it's it's important because the thing about these beliefs that we have, I've, I've heard it described in this way. Yung there is a difference. Like for example, if you have a stock room or if you have a bodega, diba? that's what we call it. And then you have all this stuff there, ganyan ganyan, nakapasok naka, naka lahat doon. You have all this stuff piled up inside of the stock room. It's different if you're trying to pick up something that's right next to the door. 
versus when you're trying to pick up something that's underneath all of the stuff, underneath all of the piles right. of of different stuff that have collected dust already. That's just that's too much work. And I think that that's kind of what happens when we identify ourselves too much with our ideas that it's right. it becomes difficult to unearth and it becomes difficult to as you were saying to question because we take it as a personal attack and although i do i do think that there is such a thing as objective truth like there is such a thing as and and it's very important to be aligned with the truth but i think that the struggle most of the time is not so much what is true and what is not or what is factual what is not it's 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 also how do we get there? Like, how do we get to the truth? And because um, people can have different sorts of perspectives and different sorts of ideas of how to get there. And I think, yeah, yeah what what you're encouraging people to do to have dialogue, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to have questions. Indisha, lack of faith, as I think some yes. people would think of. Magtanong, just believe. <laughs> and, yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's good to have seeking questions, and I think. Part of the problem is that um, because dahil nga hindi tayo masyadong formed, because we're not that formed in our Catholic faith, what tends to happen is when we encounter questions, we stop at the questions. And then mm. we think na, oh nga no? Like something like, if God exists, then why is there evil? Oh nga no? And then mm. we stop. We stop there. And then we think, then maybe God doesn't exist. And then we don't go forward and, okay. What could be the reason why? Is there something about God that I don't understand yet? Is this is there something about evil that I don't understand yet? Are these two really um ganun ba talaga siya? Does it follow? And I think these are conversations that we should be having more. However, right. uh, as you were as you were describing it, I think it also points toward the truth that you you kind of also have to know about your faith because it's difficult to ask questions about stuff that I mean, ret- rhetorically, it, it's one thing to ask questions about seeking talaga. You don't know the answer. Mm. You really want to know. Ganyan. But what, what, you're, what you're describing when you're in dialogue with someone, um, yung rhetorical questions such as, yung imagine a third person, what would you say to this person? Yes, I yes. think that also requires that we, to a certain extent, also take our faith seriously enough to study it. Um, well, what do you think about that? I think that that's something that should happen more <laughs> with Filipino Catholics. Right. Now, in my book, I describe the method of uh, that we promote in unboxing Catholicism. Okay. The first, the, these are three Ds, no? Okay. For you to be able to really do the questions, no, all of these things, there are prerequisites. As with anything in life, no, we have to learn certain skills first. There are three Ds. First is doctrine. We have to know what the church is teaching, no? Mm. But it's not enough to put it in the head. We have to put it in the heart. That's why the next D is important, discernment. We have mm. to discern what is the church teaching, why is the church teaching this way, and why it matters to me now. No, Like what you said earlier, Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago. What does that mean to me? We have to discern it through prayer, no? through mentoring, spiritual direction, accompaniment with missionaries like you. So it's one thing to read the doctrine, to know the doc- doctrine, why, what, what is being taught. The second is discernment. And then third comes the dialogue. Now, I am a, a firm believer that yes, we can have, we can ask a lot of questions in a dialogue. We should not be afraid. Burns, hindi ko kabisado yung Bible. I haven't memorized the Bible yet. I have a Protestant friend. Just admit that you do not know and ask questions and tell the person, you know what? I don't know the answer to that now, but can we journey together and find right. out the answers? 
I want to know the answers too as a Catholic. Would you want me to update you of the answers once I know it already? It takes humility to say that. To say that you don't know. It humility to say that. Yeah, because we like to know. <laughs> right, of course. Now, you, t- you take that process of 3Ds. Okay, some, a Protestant approaches you, you don't know the answer. It's okay, tell them. You know what? I pero I will look for the answer. Can we study it together? Mm-hmm. You see, there's still dialogue there. There's still journeying there. Mm-hmm. No, you're not on the. You're just, you're telling the person. Alam mo, di kita ko kontrahen. You you mentioned something very important. I think we should study that. I don't know the answers now, but I am going to look for it. Can we look for it together? And then right. you go for doctrine. You go to discern it. Then you dialogue. You see, you don't lose a soul. No, whether you know the Bible or you do not know the Bible. You just have to be humble and honest in this journey because that's what it is. We are not defending the faith because we want people to see ang galing-galing mo, no? no? In this beautiful document called Ecclesia de Eucharistia written by Pope John Paul II, who's now a saint, he said that all the summit and source of evangelization should be the Eucharist. Hmm. So when we Catholics engage in the dialogue, all that we have to think about is for this person to encounter Jesus in the sacrament of the Eucharist. Not for us to look good, not for us to, to look intelligent, not for us to feel good about ourselves. It's about Jesus. We are ambassadors, Mon. No? When an ambassador speaks in another country, he doesn't speak about himself. He speaks about the country that he represents. And we are all baptized Christians. We are ambassadors of the church. So if we don't know anything about what we are ta- what we what we are being asked about, let's be honest and humble. I don't know now, but I'll go back to my base, which is the church. I'll ask the church. The, the tendency of many people, Catholics, no, I don't know the answers. I look for the answers in another church. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, oh <laughs> that's true. okay. So I hope it makes sense. Yes, yes. I, I like what you said about encountering Christ through the Eucharist. Um, something that we're taught also is is that we don't just want to, like for, in our case, for example, as youth missionaries, we don't just want to lead these high school students and college students to knowing more about Christ. Um, what we want to do is we want them to be encouraged to actually know Him, not just know about Him. And yes, I, I agree that doctrine is super important. Like, that's actually part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast in the first place because I, I want to have conversations about learning about the faith and about understanding ito, like living in this time now. What is that? What is the value of that? But I think also, well, it's the encounter. Eh, na it's, it's not it's not some I agree with you that it's so easy to make it about yourself Now I know these things and I can answer your questions that's why we feel threatened when we can't answer questions but ultimately what we want to do is we want to lead them to Jesus we want to lead them to encountering the Lord through the sacraments through the church and um, yeah and and allowing them to see that for themselves one, one way that I've also heard this described is we're not bringing we're not, we're not bringing them to Jesus as if wala si Lord sa buhay nila. No, we're, we're allowing them to recognize how Jesus has already been moving in their lives. And so, man, this, this, this was good. I mean, I'm having fun with this conversation and I'm sure there's, there's plenty more that, that we can discuss and plenty more that we can talk about. But siguro, as, as we bring this to a conclusion, as we bring this to, um, as we wrap this up, uh, I, I heard in one of your in one of the times that you've guested in other podcasts as as well about how you talked about there 
how there is a crisis in catechesis. Am I just saying it right? That there is a crisis right. in catechesis. Um, what do you think? What do you think? Can we do about that? Like maybe we could talk about um, how we can respond to something like that from the perspective of the church as an institution, maybe, but also like as lay people, like the regular people who go to church every Sunday. Is there something that's is there something that's missing? Is there something that should be emphasized more? Or where does this come from, and how do we go from here? Right. Thanks for asking that question. You know, when I started doing online content, I really got scared in declaring that there is a crisis in catechesis because I tried searching the phrase. I never saw any documents that talks about that exact phrase, no crisis in catechesis. But I subtly talked about, I gently talked about it in the Unboxing Catholicism podcast. And then I talked to some priests about it and they kind of agree with it. And, you know, there's a bishop that I... I, I encountered in an online webinar that I hosted and he kind of agree with it also. The crisis in catechesis can be seen in so many ways. Number one, we have a catechetical ministry in the church, but it is aging. Mm. A lot of catechists are old, mm. you know, and this is something that, you know, we have to encourage more young people like Mon and our group, no, to really get on with this. The church depends on us. In Christus Vivit, I think in paragraph 114, if I'm not mistaken, if my memory serves me right, Pope Francis is telling us the church needs us. Why does the church need us? Why does Christ need us? Because precisely, there is a breakdown in catechesis. What do I mean by that? A lot of young people are leaving the church because they are not looking, they're not finding the answers they're looking for. Mm. They find it in the Protestant setting where there is loud and very good music, where you know there are communities tightly knit communities where there's brotherhood. But these are the things that we have in the church as well. Yes, you know, there's so yes. many. Mon, what I'm realizing now, I think I could spend the rest of my life talking about the gifts that the, that the Lord has given us through the church. Mm. That's why we have to unbox it. No, yes. I mean, in the crisis of catechesis, a lot of people uh, are living their lives as if there's no better option as if there's no better alternative and that is the church and Christ no and in the crisis of catechesis we do not understand the teachings of the church or we we think we understand the teachings of the church but what we really have are the caricatures mm. of the real teachings of the church and we need people lay people no to really embrace this and we need the clergy to embrace this with us not to deny that there is a crisis not to there's a survey you know uh, that uh, came out last time they said 97% of filipinos okay, believe that jesus is really present in the eucharist okay that is good i'm so happy that the survey like that came out but practical experience would also tell us that a lot of people are attending different bible study groups why because they are not invited in their bible study groups in the parishes or perhaps the parish doesn't have that you know uh, when i was listening to Catholic Answers Live many years ago, I was reflecting, no, Mon, how do I share my faith as a Catholic? Or do I even need to share my faith as a Catholic? Kasi wala man ako nakitang katoliko, kumakatok sa pinto, Mon, uh, nangumbisal na po ba kayo? Tinanggap nyo na po ba si Jesus sa Eucharistia? Nagrosaryo na po ba kayo? Wala tayo makikita ang ganyang Catholics, di ba? So I was asking, do I need to do that? Is that how you want me to do it, Lord? And then I was listening passively no, to Catholic Answers Live. There's a Protestant who called in 
And then the Protestant asked a question to the apologies of CA Live. And then at the end, they were curious. By the way, we are curious. How come you're not a Catholic? You know, the answer of the Protestant in the caller, the Protestant caller was so simple but, but so profound that I had to jump off out of the sofa when I heard it. And I was like, wow, grab it. This is the answer that I'm looking for. No, you know the answer? Sabi ng Protestant, you know, I'm not a Catholic because I was never invited to be one. Wow. That's heavy. Heavy, right? And I was thinking, my goodness, I am now a Catholic from being a Protestant. How come my Protestant friends are not yet Catholics? Because mm. we never invited them. We never tried to reach out. And also, what I'm trying to say here is, Yes, let's accept that there is a crisis in catechesis. That means a lot of people misunderstand the faith. That's the simple definition of that. Let's not deny it. Do we blame anyone for it? No. Let's look at ourselves in the mirror. Because we cannot blame the priest. How many priests do we have? How many Catholics do we have? Mm. There's so many Catholics yeah. and so little priests. So, yeah. And how much time do we spend with them to learn? Like, not yeah. enough also. Yeah. Right. No, so for me, the call in my book, I would talk about uh, that crisis in catechesis extensively. And my call to action there is enough of the blaming game. The priests are there to administer the sacraments, but we lay people, as the Second Vatican Council has taught us, have that divine obligation no, to, to spread the faith and to, to defend it, to help, not because we are we want more collection in the Sunday masses. No, hindi ganun yun eh. Because we want to bring Jesus to people. No, in, uh, in Evangelii Nuntiandi, St. John Paul VI, St. Paul VI rather, wrote there that the deepest identity of the church is evangelization. In Redemptoris Missio, John Paul II said that our grave obligation is to spread the faith. In Evangelium, Evangelii Gaudium, Pope Francis was saying something like all Christians should be actively engaged in evangelization. Now, does that mean we, have a, we should launch a podcast like what Mon and Burns have? No, but I think we should ask our Lord, Lord, in my situation, in the middle of the world, how do you want me to become a witness of the faith? You're a mom, you're a dad, you're a young person, you're not, you, say, you think that you're not into public speaking. But are you into writing? You know, you can, can you write about it? I cannot even write about it. But do you, are you a visual person? Can you take pictures? You know, a picture paints a thousand words. No, I mean, I'm sure your listeners, all of us have been given certain talents, certain gifts that we can use to help the church in a time of crisis like this. COVID is not just the only crisis that's plaguing the church today. It's the crisis in catechesis. We have received a very, very important package signed, sealed, and delivered by God Himself for 2,000 years already. We call it the depositum fide, the deposit of faith. It's like a box that is inexhaustible. Question is, are we willing to unbox it? Hmm. Yeah. Man, that's powerful. Uh, that's true. I mean, it's crazy because hey, we have, yeah, like it's what you said, you have these questions. And the thing about these questions that I always wonder about is it's not like it's the first time someone asked questions like these. Oh, yeah. Like, it's not like it's the first time someone had concerns or worried about 
if God right. existed. Like we, we have this beauty of being part of the Catholic Church is that we have this such a rich tradition that dates back for thousands of years and we can we actually have a a rich source of answers and maybe that is things true. that we could learn that but but it's also true eh, and uh, part of what that means also is that we take personal responsibility that we also do something about it if there is something that we need to learn and share and uh, if evangelization is really a huge 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 part of it um and i think it, it ties together it really ties together with learning about the faith because how can you share something that you do not know or someone that you do not know much more right um, that's true Ngaling, ngaling lang with with what you're doing, and I honor you for for um for the work that you're doing in unboxing Catholicism. I I oh, I hope that I could have you here on again. Uh, there are some things that I, I would have hoped Tana. Sure, we can collaborate too. Yeah, I would have hoped Tana to to discuss further. Maybe we could set that for another time. Um, but sure. thanks, Burns. Thanks, Burns. Would you? Thanks, Mon. How do you? How do people get in touch with you? Like, is there anything that you'd like to promote? Maybe you're working in unboxing Catholicism. Sure, sure. I'd love to give your listeners a gift. No, a lot of people said, "How can I start defending the faith clearly without being preachy?" I made a very simple starter guide, and you can get it for free. Just go to www.unboxingcatholicism.com/slash/starterguide. Uh, one uh, no spaces no slash starter guide. And you can download a PDF no, of the 10 tips on how to defend the faith clearly without being preachy. And then you'd be receiving regular updates from me. No? In the updates, I'll be sharing anecdotes, stories, uh, tips, tricks, resources, freebies. No? And you will find everything once you download the PDF. You're going to be part of our email list and you'll get regular updates. Right, right. And if you are listener, if you're listening, if if you're attending Feast Conference, also I would like to encourage oh, you to yes. go to Burns class. <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be great for sure. So yeah, thanks Burns. This was this was really good. Thanks to you and thanks be to God. Amen.